0: Hi, my friends, and welcome to From Here to There. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing about the lives of many people throughout history and people alive today that God has worked through in order to bring increase and influence of His kingdom here on earth. But in this first series, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you my story, how God was able to take me from powerless to powerful and from the nest to the nation's I really believe that as you listen, God is going to give you keys to moving forward toward your God destiny. So let's get started with this week's message. Well, greetings to all of you, my friends, and thanks for joining me again for another episode. I hope you enjoyed that clip last week of the SOS prayer in Manila. I really was happy to get a hold of that recording, and it just reminded me of the presence and the power of God that we experienced during that time. How many know that we do pray for revival, but we're not praying to ask God for something He doesn't want to already give. The Lord is just waiting for His people to be ready to receive more. He's always looking to pour out His spirit. He's always looking to manifest himself, and He needs our hearts to be opened and ready to receive what He has to bring. This week, we're going to talk about revival in the house, the power of the corporate anointing. I just love history, and I especially love church history because it's the story of the faithfulness of many lives that are woven into the plan of redemption for all nations. In the kingdom with Jesus, it's all about one life, but it's never just about one. Jesus has a body with many different parts and graces, And they're all working together toward the restoration that Peter spoke about in the book of Acts. Let me read from Acts chapter 3 in verse 19. It says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. And so Peter was preaching here on the first day of Pentecost, and he called for the people to repent. Well, repent literally in the New Testament sense, in the Greek sense, means just to turn around. It doesn't mean to grovel in your sins. It doesn't mean to cry because you're unholy. It just means to make a decision to go a new way. And so Peter called for them to repent. And then he said that Jesus was in heaven, held there, seated there, until the time of restoration of all things that had been spoken all throughout the Old Testament. All of the words of the prophets pointed to the coming of Christ, and the coming of Christ was the beginning of a new day, the beginning of the day of salvation. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, And now his Holy Spirit is within his people with a plan to restore God's purpose to our planet and to humanity, back to the Garden of Eden, back to the way God intended it to be before evil came into the plan. So I like to think of the living church as a movement of people through the ages. There are on any given day, in any given minute, people being born, people dying, And so people come to earth, and they live their life on the earth timeline, and then they go back to eternity. And it's a constant movement from the beginning of time until the present. But in the church age, God has been creating a movement toward this restoration, and every generation has a responsibility to find their part in that plan. The significance of one life cannot be overestimated. Because you are here for this time. I am here for this time. And God has a specific grace-filled purpose for you during your lifetime here. I like Ephesians 1.23 in the message. It says the church is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. And so you see... When we're in this natural realm, it may seem like the church is kind of on the outskirts and the world is just running along in the natural way that it does. But in the spirit, you see, Jesus is at the center of it all. And the church is the body of Jesus Christ. And so the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. And so Jesus is the master, the leader, the head of the church, he leads us by His Spirit on the inside, and when we find our place, we are built together into a holy place for God. Ephesians two twenty one says, In Him the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Let me read that again to you from the message, and I'll start in Ephesians 2, in verse 20. He, Jesus, used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. That holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. And so in our generation, we have a responsibility to carry the call forward, and we are built upon the foundation that others have laid with their lives. But it is important what we do and who we do it with. I know many Christians, even missionaries, who are not connected to a local church, and they will tell you they have their own personal relationship with Jesus, and they do. But how can you be connected to Christ and not be connected to His body? It's like being a hand that has no arm. How can it even have a purpose without being connected to the arm? So no wonder so many have trouble finding their calling. They haven't connected themselves. A few weeks ago on this podcast, I was sharing about commitment and how my commitment to return to the Philippines for four years happened to be the opening or the beginning of the ultimate purpose of God for my life. Had I not made that commitment, perhaps I would not have found it. But even beyond commitment is connection. Who are you running with? For in the kingdom, no man is an island. No woman is an island. When we are committed to others, we do whatever it takes to make relationships work. And when we're committed to the plan of God, we have to work with others in harmony and with love as our glue that holds us together. So during this time of revival at our church in the Philippines, as I shared earlier, we spent much time praying together in our school of the Spirit. Now, prayer is the generating power of the church, and corporate prayer carries tremendous power. Prayer is not just asking God for things, but it's also God speaking to us. This is a form of the gift of prophecy, because prophecy is inspired utterance that builds, encourages, and comforts. So when we seek God, he hears us and he answers us and he reveals things to us. He gives us words to speak and promises to stand on. During the same time in our school and in our church, there was a downloading from our pastor into all the leaders through his classes. Teaching doesn't just instruct, but teaching carries anointing, grace, and vision with it. This prayer was causing an awakening. People were awakening to their callings and were getting in position for the future. God's plans are always increase, and He's waiting for us to come together and desire His plan. When we come together with this heart, revival will always be the result. So what is revival? Revival is a restoration of life, like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. New life, new hope, new dreams coming forth. Revival is for the church, not for the world. But when the church is revived, people are drawn to the Lord and even regions can be transformed by the power and presence of God. And all this happens when we come together for His purpose. You know what I think the primary obstruction to revival is? In my studies, it is discord and dissension. The Azusa revival was in the early 1900s, that launched believers into God's plan and even sent missionaries to the nations. But it ended in several denominations being formed over differences in doctrine. It is unity and agreement that power revival. And when there's fussing and fighting, the Holy Spirit is quenched and the power is decreased. So when a group of believers get together in a church with a prayerful determination, Nothing will stop what God wants to do. I'm reminded of the Tower of Babel story in Genesis 11, where they were working together to build man's plan. And God came down and said, we have to confuse their languages because as long as they can agree together, nothing they will want to do will be impossible. Genesis 11, 5. Indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do now. So nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. When we pray, and particularly praying in the Spirit, when we're praying in tongues corporately, we are not praying our own prayer. We are praying the wisdom and prayer of God. The Bible says when you don't know what to pray, God will give you a prayer to pray with groanings that cannot be uttered. And so when we're praying together in the Spirit, We are praying the perfect will of God, and we are able to see together what God wants to do. I remember reading stories by Frank Bartleman, who was like the primary recorder or chronicler of the Azusa Street Revival, and he said that from time to time, people would come to the meetings with selfish ambition, as he said, or a desire to speak their own agenda and not the agendas of the Holy Spirit. And he said the Holy Spirit would just stop them in their tracks Or their words would have no response. People just wouldn't respond. And pretty soon they'd sit down. Because you see, when we've experienced in revival the real presence and direction of God and the Holy Spirit, we can easily recognize man's plans and thoughts in comparison. Another thing I noticed at our church as a result of this revival was that all the messages seemed to flow together, regardless of who was speaking. Before, there were good messages by different leaders in the church on Sundays and on Wednesdays, but they were unrelated. As we prayed together, it seemed like hearts began to flow together. And to me, this should always be our desire in any church or ministry or even family, that our hearts would flow together, that we would all see the same thing and speak the same thing. And, you know, that is not a natural product. People have different perceptions, different ideas. Whenever we get, we see a ministry, a family, a church where they're flowing together, we know that this is a result of the Spirit of God unifying and even tuning up our hearts one to another. I think of it like, you know, musical instruments or the strings of a guitar. If they're out of tune, when you play it, it sounds like noise. But once they're in tune, they begin to play and sound like music. And God wants to play his music through us. But in order to do that, he needs to tune us so that we're working together. I also want to share in this episode about a powerful revelation the Lord gave me one day in prayer that will illustrate why we need to be connected. As I was praying, the Lord showed me three leaders that had been significant in my life. He showed me exactly what I had received from each one. And some of the things he showed me were a spirit of faith, learning to operate in the ways of the spirit or compassion and love for others. And then he highlighted the life of one of these leaders and told me it took this man his whole life to gain all the spiritual wisdom that he's sharing with you. And you get to have it for free just by sitting under him. Isn't that amazing? I mean, lessons that people learn that takes blood, sweat, and tears, and time, you can receive in an instant just by honoring the gift and the wisdom they have and receiving it. But what the Lord showed me was how valuable this spiritual wisdom was to him. The Lord said, to me, it represents their life blood. It represents their life. And so it's very valuable to me. And he told me it needs to be valuable to you And you need to see it as something to steward and plant, share with others. So then it was as if I saw time like a funnel or an hourglass, and the spiritual wisdom was flowing down from generation to generation through the ages to our time. And it grew stronger and more pure as it filtered down. It became like what he said to me was high-octane anointing. And this reminded me of Amos 9.13, which says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. So to me, this is a picture of seeds being planted and growing so quickly that the plow is coming right behind the person who's harvesting. And this is the power of the spiritual wisdom we are receiving from those who have gone before that we are to steward and pass on to others. In my own little way, I'm sharing that kind of wisdom with you things that took me a lot of hard, grieving times to get through and to get answers. Hopefully, by sharing my testimony with you, you're able to learn so that when you face these same things, you'll be able to move through them more freely and clearly and with victory. But all of this passing of spiritual revelation and wisdom requires relationship. We are not to do life alone. We are enriched and enlarged by what others give to us and what we supply to them. Jesus builds his church brick by brick, living stone by living stone, and his love is the mortar that holds us all together. I just pray for each one of you that you either are, have, or get to participate in a revival movement like the one we had in the Philippines, and honestly, the one we had in Nepal and the one we're walking in right now. It's great to be a part of what God is doing so some takeaways for this week are, number one, God will position you where you can be a part of something greater. God has a plan for you. And like I said, it's all about you and him, but it's not ever just about you and him. God has something in you that others need. And so in order for you to effectively use that gift, you've got to be in connection with other believers. And I believe that means be a part of a local church. Number two, there is multiplied power when a group of believers are moving together. So I love to pray, and I love it when God gives me personal revelation. But I'll tell you what, when we pray together in a group, corporate prayer in the Spirit, it's like the wind beneath your wings. It's like the Spirit is lifting you and carrying you forward. And we see much greater power made available when we pray together in united prayer, corporate prayer. Number three is that unity empowers revival and discord dismantles it. Now, this is a big one because this means you got to walk in love with people. This means that if you take offense against someone and if you hold unforgiveness in your heart, you personally are hindering what God wants to do in that city, in that church, in that family. Listen, my friends, we've got to let go of these pains, these wounds, these offenses. Give them to Jesus. There is too big a plan and it's too important and too many people to be reached and too many miracles to be wrought for us to be focused on these small negative things that people have done to us. Let them go and let God fill you with forgiveness. Let him handle those things. No matter what someone's done to you, let God be your vengeance. Let him deal with it so that you can walk in love and forgive, even as he's forgiven us. Number four, there are spirituals. And by that, I mean spiritual things, revelation, grace, callings that are passed from one generation to another. And so you're only going to receive those things when you're in connection with the people who carry them. And it's not just connection. It's also recognizing and honoring what those people carry. And let me go further than that. Everybody in fellowship in your church is carrying something. When you start to look at them as gifts from heaven and start to be a receiver, it's going to build you and it's going to cause the body to grow and to move forward, which is revival. And so praise God. Let me pray for you today. Father, we thank you for those who have gone before us, as Hebrews calls it, that great cloud of witnesses that encircles us in the heavens that are cheering us on. We thank you, Lord, for those lives well lived. We remember even right now, believers, people that we love that have gone on ahead of us, Lord, those who have been leaders to us, those who have been believers with us, fellowshiped with us that are now already with you in glory. We know, Lord, that we're still one with them, that they are cheering us on, that they are watching over the grandstand of heaven at the things that are taking place in our day. Everybody, Lord, all of us together, from the beginning to the end of time, we want your will, and we're here to do your will at our generation. I pray for each of my friends listening, Lord, that you will reveal to them who have been the mentors in their life, what they've received from those who have opened their hearts to share with them. I pray that they would honor and esteem and remember and value and and even write down the things they've received and consider themselves stewards of the mystery, stewards to pass these things on to others. Lord, I pray that you'll put us in position to share the things that we've learned from you with others, to build other lives, to set others free. I pray for every church represented by a person listening to this podcast. Pray, Lord God, that you're stirring people up, that you're connecting people to the vision of the church, that you're empowering them as they commit to be a part of your end-time move. And I pray, Lord God, for those places, those portals, heavenly openings, places of revival, where you are stirring and pouring out your presence and your spirit. And I thank you for it, my Father. Thank you for it, my Jesus. I thank you for everyone who's listening. Thank you for being so real and powerful in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's been great being with you this week. Be sure to share this message if it's been a blessing to you. You can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, and help us to share the Word of God. But I love being with you, and I look forward to sharing with you again next week. God bless. Thanks for listening today. I pray you were blessed and encouraged. One of my life scriptures is Hebrews 11.1 in the Jordan translation. It says, Now faith is the turning of dreams into deeds, it is betting your life on unseen realities. In Jesus Christ, you have what it takes to step into all God has prepared for you. If this episode's blessed you, please share it with someone else. I look forward to meeting with you again next week.